Hey everybody, it's Drew from Sleep With Me, and I'm believe it or not, I'm live here uh, from Golden Gate Park, recorded live, uh, and I've got a little announcement. We're teaming up with a podcast app called Spoke to give you two exclusive episodes. Spoke is a new audio platform made by SiriusXM that creates podcast playlists to help you find new shows to listen to. The Spoke team handpicks the best moments from tons of podcasts and creates playlist clips so you can try a bunch of shows out and find something new to love. Each playlist has its own topic or theme. You could try out the Music Decoded playlist with clips all about unpacking and analyzing music, uh, or Slice of Life, which is all about the crazy or incredible things that happen to everyday people. Also, Spoke has fun, exclusive content from Farrell. And that's why I'm here live at Golden Gate Park. I just concluded uh, recording one of these episodes that's only going to be available exclusively on Spoke. I'm lying here in the grass. Uh, you definitely do not want to miss these special episodes. Download Spoke now. It's free in the App Store or on Google Play. And be sure to check out all of Sleep With Me's exclusive Spoke episodes. You can find them all at Spoke.com slash sleep with me that's spoke.com slash sleep with me check it out uh and i'll see you in golden gate park at stowe lake bye guys finding quality denim jeans is tough and to find a good pair without breaking the bank is just uh almost impossible but at distilled spelled d-s-t-l-d you get like brand top quality jeans at a price that won't break your bank. And I know I said break the bank, but I like saying break the bank. And I'll say it again. Break the bank. But just go to distilled.com, D-S-T-L-D.com right now and use a promo code FERAL and check out and get it a 20% discount on your first pair. And these are great jeans. I love them. I wear them all the time. Heck, I sleep in them. Distilled jeans. They're the best jean you're ever going to wear. In fact, I shower in them. Distilled jeans. D-S-T-L-D. They're good quality, super-duper denim. And, you know, it's not going to cost you like $200 or $100. Go to distilled.com. D-S-T-L-D.com. Do it. Get some jeans. Look cool. Feral Audio. with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. And if you uh, like that theme music playing there, that's a band called Last Blanks, please go to lastblanks.com and check out more of their goddamn music. And if you haven't listened to Conversations with Matt Dwyer before, it's just what the uh, title implies there. It is a conversation with me and a very interesting person, which is not actually, that's not even in the title. I should say Matt, Conversations with Interesting People and Matt Dwyer. Whatever. We're going to work it out. Um... I'm very excited about uh, today's guest. It's uh, Duncan Trussell, comedian, podcaster, and uh, the guy's brain. Just fucking strap yourself in for this one, because we, Mr. Trussell, takes us on a whirlwind of uh, thought and consciousness and perspective. It's uh, it's a real it's a real fucking knockabout. Um, and before we get into that conversation, uh, I just want to I I I got a website called. Uh, well, it's themattdwyer.com, T-H-E, Matt Dwyer. Uh, so you can go on there. You can stream my, you'll be able to stream my podcasts from there. And you can see when I'm doing shows and coming to your town and blogs and all that kind of shit. All things Matt Dwyer are on that website. Um, I just belched. I'm sorry. After hanging, after recording with Duncan, we drank a bunch of wine and uh, kind of shot the shit for a while. So my intro is really just going to be this it's there's not going to be any great tales of uh nonsense going on i'm just going to we're just going to go right into talking to the great and very thought provoking mr duncan trussell <laughs> It makes it seem. I mean, it's podcasting. It makes it you seem have no... like we're at a house instead of a studio, which is like who even cares? That's what I like best about podcasting is it has that sort of element of like, oh, 
There's birds in the background, and there's a car, and there's a siren. I know. It's weird how I, I'll get in my head about that a little bit and think it's bad until I remember your pod. It's a podcast. That's the whole point of these things is they get to be. Yeah, it's not the Tom Schneider. Thumbprints of exactly what's happening. <laughs> I think it adds adds to it. I did a I interviewed a guy in a grocery store while people were shopping and there's the music going on. Yeah, that's the best. Yeah, I did. I, I guess I did one at the zoo. Once, but you know, some sometimes it's good to be able to focus. Like sometimes with podcasts, it's good to have that kind of like silent, focused environment because then you can go really deep. Because if things start interrupting and stuff, it can be annoying. I just yelled at my dog yesterday. I like, really got mad because he Drink. started barking when I was trying to like, record an intro for a podcast. Felt terrible. See, I've given up on that because my dog is. It's just he's. If I put on my headphones, if I'm doing a phone interview, he just he starts crying. <laughs> See, he's just he he can't handle like he knows like that I'm not going to be paying attention to him for an hour, right? But getting back to you, I was saying like you have very non. We both have very non-traditional podcast guests. I think like you have comedians, but you have really some pretty fucking out there weird people. Yeah, well, I mean, I, yeah, I try to interview people that I think are interesting or know something about something that I want to learn about. So, you know, people who know about alchemy, for example, or meditation or porn stars or dominatrixes or people who, you know, it's just interesting. You have, you have this, you do the same thing. Yeah, it's weird. But some people like I've had, I've had people hassle me like, Hey man, if you just tweak a couple things, you could have a TV show out of this. And I was like, I don't give a shit. Like, I'm like, why does it have to be, why does my show have to be reduced to a television show or that makes it successful that it's suddenly, like, that really pisses me off. Well, TV's AM radio now. Like, if you, I mean, unless it's HBO, Game of Thrones, there's like a couple of great shows on TV, but they're, the idea, getting on TV for a lot of people, I think, is a step backwards now instead of a step forwards. Because if you get on TV, like, you know, it just depends on if you're a greedy cunt. <laughs> You know, if you're like really greedy and you've gotten in your head that it's important to make TV money and you want that kind of money and to get it, you're willing to give up your entire life, sever connection with friends, work 12 hour days, five days a week, become consumed with fear and ridiculous <laughs> paranoia because you have this group of people depending on you now, especially if it's your own show. You know, and now there's ratings and numbers and scared people everywhere because they have kids connected to this web that you've made. And all the while, you also have to worry about anything you say being censored or cut or edited because it doesn't fit into something that can sell cars. That's not good. That's what... (laughs) If you can like, you know what I mean? But it is nice to be rich. Being rich is nice. Like being having millions of dollars in a fucking giant sprawling mansion with fountains and swimming pools and <laughs> opium growing in the gardens and people playing flutes and you're in a Coleridge poem all the time. That's great. But the trick is you've got to be there. You know what I mean? Who gives a fuck about your manor house and mansion and fountains and yards and dogs and lovers and butterflies if you're not there? <laughs> What's a Coleridge florum? What? Didn't Coleridge. You... What's that? Coleridge, Samuel Taylor Coleridge, Kubla Khan, and Xanadu. Oh, okay, yeah. I see. Yeah, I... that kind of luxurious, opulent, Dionysian dream state life. You, If you can have that and be there, if I could have it and be there, I would be more inclined to make TV-level money. But it's just a weird thing to like be accruing all this imaginary stuff in the bank when the reality is you're just spending all your time on a studio lot or something. Terrified. Terrified. <laughs> That's what I was saying to a friend recently. I was like, everybody I know who has some modicum of television film success is not happy. No. They're fatigued. And it's the, if they just want more. And I'm like, why shouldn't you just be really content with what you have? They can't be content with what they have. Well, no, because they got into their heads that that's what you're supposed to do. I was talking to somebody, and he's like, I don't know, he was talking about my podcast and the same kind of stuff, like ways to expand it and build it and make it bigger. And and I I said, well, I'm pretty happy right now. Like I, I like I like doing the podcast. I'm happy that the 
it's amazing to me that I can that I can live on it, but the idea of sacrificing freedom, the idea of giving up freedom doesn't seem that fun to me, which is like what starts happening when you move into the deeper levels of like TV or whatever. Giving up all that freedom, it seems like freedom's much more valuable than monkey paper. <laughs> Matt Bronger gets upset with me because I once said, well, of course, we were working a shitty job. I was working like t- at least 12 hours a day. And I was like, I just want my own. F- I just want my fucking free time. Meaning, I think he took it as like, I just want to fuck off and like do nothing. But it's like, yes. I just want my time to be. Fuck off and do nothing. <laughs> What's but wrong like, with you know, that? What's wrong with that? <laughs> what is wrong with that? Why are all these fucking weird little dung beetles rolling their turds to build a mountain of nothingness upset because you want to fuck off and do nothing? Look at my dog. I don't get mad at my dog. All he does is fuck off and do nothing. <laughs> Look at nature. Look at apple trees, oranges, birds. What are they doing? They fly around. As far as I can tell, they spend a little bit of time eating and a lot of time fucking off and doing nothing. <laughs> so why suddenly am I the one who's got to start building up ridiculous towers and shit to satisfy these insane workaholics when the truth of the matter is the moment... Those people are alone. I'm not talking about Matt Bronger, but I'm talking about these workaholic types. The moment they're alone, they freak out. They can't handle it. I think that's, I think a lot of people, like, I freak out if I get too busy. Like, I get, like, cluttered in my head, and I'm like, fuck, I need to, like, I need to go somewhere and, like, get away. Like, or just be in my room, which is my entire apartment, because it's just one room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've done well. I'm in a studio at 45 with my girlfriend. We share it. But see, That's then well. again, I know, I know. I, I like These to make motherfuckers, man. <laughs> They've gotten everyone freaked out. Like you actually have to apologize for that. You actually have to feel a little bit of maybe you don't at all. Maybe you do a little bit, but you actually have to feel a little bit of guilt over the way that you're living because in some way or another, it doesn't compare to the way when you turn on TV that you're supposed to be living at that age. Now, how are you supposed to be living at that age? And where are you getting that information from? That's the Big question. At any age, how are you supposed to be living? How do you live at any age? And, and once you've made that decision, where did you get that information from? So if you're in your 20s and you're in college, uh, where did you get the information from that, you wanted to, that you're supposed to be in college? Who told you that? Where did you get that from? Well, you got it from school and your parents who were like, you got to get into college because then you can get a good job. Even though the statistics are, no, it doesn't work like that anymore. You just get in a lot of fucking debt. And the odds are that whatever you studied in college aren't going to help you. Now, if you go to college to fuck around and have fun, that's a good reason to go to college, I think. But if you go there, <laughs> if you go, if if you go there because you're like trying to <laughs> trying to like invest in something so that at the end of the line you're going to make a lot of money, I think statistically it's been shown that that just doesn't happen. So, oops, I guess all that information we were getting from school and our parents was total bullshit but we listen to it anyway because that's what we do and then in your 30s what are you supposed to be doing when you have a career you're supposed to have some kind of fucking career and to be doing all this stuff and and where did you get that information from well a lot of people got that information from tv they watch tv and on tv who do you see in the car commercials in their 30s a family a family in their 30s in a car commercial that's conditioning that's brainwashing so you get taught oh that's how you should be when you're 30 and this is how you should be when you're 40 and this is how you should be when you're 50 how does anybody know any way that you're supposed to be? It's insane. We just want to think that there is a way to be because it's very comforting to think, oh, well, here's the median, here's the average, and I know where I am in relation to that average. So it gives me some sense of structure or form, like those hugging cages that autistic people lay in. Have you ever seen those? <laughs> Can I get a job being like the guy they hug? Because I don't know if that's like a creepy thing to say. A professional hugger would be awesome. You I was to... a hugger at the Special Olympics once. That must have been the greatest day it was of your life. T- terrifying because I was actually at the end of the uh, uh, skiing thing. So these retarded people would be really excited, but they had dangerous pointy poles in their hands. <laughs> and they were going for the hug, and we all would scatter. <laughs> that is, listen, of all the ways to die, I think that's a beautiful way to get speared I wish... by a champion disabled person and out of love I wouldn't guess. it be great if that's I had an eye patch and that was my story like people think people are like how'd you get the eye patch and they think it's gonna be and I was like uh, 
fucking hugging a retarded man. Listen, <laughs> for all those listening right now who have eye patches, you just got the new story for why you got that eye patch. That's what you say. I think Beautiful. that would beat like I saved a family. There was a murderer broke into their home. And I, <laughs> like, and it's I like retarded them. person trumps it. Well, yeah, they're just because you're helping and they're so it's sweet. It's a sweet thing. I got to start doing that. That has always seemed to me to be one of the highest things to do. I know people who do it, and it's just such a cool thing. Work with helping others or retarded people? No, gouge people? eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> just, you should act retarded and go around gouging people's eyes out. Because they're not going to charge you. They'll be like, oh, poor retarded guy thought like a grizzly bear was coming at him. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I want to getting away from retarded people because I want to. We were talking about like getting you, away from retarded people by Matt Dwyer. Though I did also get hugged uh, by a retarded guy at a urinal once as well. Oh, you that did. was terrifying from behind. He wow. He came up and he grabbed me. He was like, "I love you." Uh, it was so sweet, cool. but uh, it's also you know he was like he wasn't like he was just an adult. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta wonder if, like, some, like, if all forms of retardation or all forms of mental impairment lead to negative mind states. Like, if some of them, you're just, like, on 700 hits of ecstasy all the time. That'd be all right. Yeah, it'd be pretty good. I mean, you'd have to exchange your ability to communicate in a normal way, but you're in this sort of ecstatic state of love for everything. I wonder if that happens. Maybe. Maybe there, maybe we don't know this, but. Retarded people are enlightened. It's getting, I was going to say, or maybe getting enlightened is actually a disability. Is that like a form of. I made some comment once about like how the Buddha was like, people are like, oh, he's under. It's like he was sitting under a tree. I'm sure like birds were shitting on him and stuff. It's like people are like, oh, he's enlightened. Or is he just kind of a weirdo? <laughs> I don't know. Just a very <laughs> calm. The funny thing about Buddhas is they would probably be like, he's probably a weirdo. He's just forget about him. Did uh, no, but do you think society is going? Because we were talking about like, oh, this shit's getting planted in your head. Do you feel like it's getting worse or better? Society? Well, I mean, like the the greed and the sort of self obsession that's going. Like, because what you were saying, I don't think a lot of people would agree with. Most people are like, "Fucking get mine, man! Get my get fame." People seem obsessed. Get mine. That's yeah. I feel like that's the mentality. Like, fucking, I don't care. Fuck you. Yeah. Well, they don't know why I, th I think that they're doing that. I, I think that, you know, I've noticed that things are always really, really good if I'm feeling love and things are always pretty lame or un unnoticeable if I don't have love inside of me. So it seems like the it, even if we were existing in some kind of floating house in a eco-utopia where technology it fused us with the mind of nature and that we had anything that we wanted without disrupting the planet if you still hadn't come to terms with the fact that everything's constantly changing and we are suffering via attachment then you're still going to be miserable it doesn't matter but it, it, that that maybe that's dodging the question Yes, I do think things are getting better. I absolutely do. <laughs> I think you'd be a fool to think that things weren't getting better. And I think people who say things aren't getting better, they, I would, many of those people, I would love to send back to the 1800s. I'd love to send back in time. I'd love to send them back to an age where, you know, uh, humans were being enslaved and sold into slavery. And I know that there's still humans being sold into slavery, but it wasn't something that was an actual part of it, it. It was part of the economy. It was that normal that it was a, a part of the economy. There's like Thomas Edison or no, not Thomas. Edison. Jefferson. Jefferson. There's like scrawls where he's writing down profit margins based on how quickly his slaves reproduce. I always make uh, the people, you, a lot of people point this out about Thomas Jefferson. It's like, well, you know, when he died, he freed his slaves. It's like, and it's always white people that say that. And they're like, huh, isn't that great? And it's like, you know what would have been great is if, I don't know, he freed them while he had them. Well, yeah. like, like, oh, I'll buy you and then you're free. It's like people make such a weird deal about that. What's more selfish than that? <laughs> like, the, yeah, when I'm dead, I don't give a fuck where you assholes go. <laughs> he was a son of a bitch. And then there's so many other things that were going on back then that were just, just terrible. I mean, forget the human lifespan. Like, look at just the, the, the 
just the well there was some good things too there was like you know there wasn't light pollution everywhere there was fewer people we're overpopulated right now and that that sucks but you know i don't know i i i think that if i got 10 people and lined them up in a room and let's say they all had the same amount of money so that there wasn't like an economic reason to travel backwards in time if you ask them which where do you guys want to be i can either keep you here or i'm going to send you back to 1812 you pick where do you want to go i think most people are going to stay i don't know well now that i think about it i might go to 1812 (laughs) I would can I like just poke around for a couple? Please, because it's just like, I mean, if you, 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 I mean, people took like one bath a month. Like they people weren't clean. Like it must have fucking stunk everywhere. It's not like people had deodorant or right. Even the twenties, it's like, when did Novocaine get in? Like if you had right. a cavity in nineteen twenty, it's not going to be fun. No. Right. That's what I think. That's what I think. And you know the people. I know people who say that. Well, what you where where you'd really want to go is like post agrarian society. Like you'd want to go to hunter gatherer land where just packs of people wandered the plains under the stars, you know, harvesting food from trees, getting meat from animals, and that was paradise. But people always have some place other than here that they like to dream about being better. That's the big problem. That's the problem. The problem isn't overpopulation or underpopulation or pollution or 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 anything more than the fact that you want to be somewhere you're not. That's the essential problem. That's it. Well, that's the problem. Like, why the fuck do you want to be somewhere else? Everyone wants to be somewhere else. They want to, or some other person, instead of just this is it. If everyone just figured out a way to like, okay, this is it, and this is perfect and fine. I think a lot of the the, the 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 flowers that grow off of that dissatisfaction would wither and die. All the murders and the uh, economic <laughs> disparity and all of it. A lot of it would, would probably go away if everybody figured out a way to start being happy in the moment right now. You know, instead of being lured by the invisible masters in the direction of endless labor to obtain nothing, which is generally what happens to people. <laughs> What triggered you to start, I mean, because you, you weren't like eight years old talking like this, or were you? No, I don't think so. Was there a series of events or one series of things where you're like, what the fuck, like where you started going, wait, something's not right here, or something, you, does that make sense? Yeah, man, I you just start reading some Buddhist stuff and hanging out with like people who are pra- practicing and... You know, I meditate from time to time, but not as much as I would like. And then you add a nice dose of psychedelics to that and read some (laughs) Terrence McKenna, you know, and then somewhere in that you start coming to this conclusion of the the same conclusion that's a lot, many, many other people have come to and have articulated in far better ways than I can, which is like, holy shit, we've been fooled, haven't we? We've been tricked. Someone pulled one over on us as a species or we pulled one over on ourselves and we got to thinking that things that 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 certain things would make us happy that won't make us happy at all why do we think that because that's been going on for centuries and centuries i mean you know it's just it used to be like the kings were like hey we got everything and y'all gonna fucking wallow in your own shit yeah yeah i i think that a lot of it is because of the um you know, popular culture has taken, has in a lot of different like places, it used to be love was the fixation or at least falling in love with someone, which is still love. And then that, that fixation maybe got shifted a little bit to money. So that's kind of a, a grand fixation right now is or fame is another fixation. Fame the fame fixation really weirds me out. Like I'm like my, I'm a, kind of obsessed with how fame conscious people are. Even dolts in in like a tavern. Like I see people po- posing for pictures like like with their friends but they're they're posing like people on the runway and I'm like you're just in a fucking dumpy bar like yeah. <laughs> why are you acting this way? Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> like I mean, they think like that's the way now they have to 
act or something. It's yeah. really weird. That's the infection, I think, is that people aren't being original, you know, which is usually if you want a pathway to fame, just be original and in, in, in your own person. And then usually that's going to lead you in the direction of something better than fame. Anyway, it's going to lead you in the direction of novelty. It's going to lead you in the direction of a, of a, of a non-calcified life um, where you're trapped in a cage of symbols. That's, that's the, that's the trick. That's better than fame. But yeah, I know it's just, you just see it and you just start, I mean, it's just a natural thing, I guess. Like in tribes, there would be a successful member the best at hunting. And so there would be a evolutionary advantage to watching what the best person at hunting acted like, what he did, how he hunted, if you wanted to be a hunter. So you would start imitating him. That's the fastest way, just like a baby imitates its parents. That's We're creatures of imitation. So TV pops on and you're a kid and you start seeing all these examples of success in our culture and, and then you start imitating that in a deep in a way, you start imitating it because embedded in us is imitate the successful members of the tribe if you want to be successful. So there you go. And then it just spreads out into the world and everyone is in, is imitating these people. And it would be awesome if the people they were imitating were original. But they're not original. The people they're imitating are usually puppets. <laughs> Literally. Like, they're actors. They're imitating someone acting a certain way based on a script that was written by somebody. They're not they're not even imitating an original person. They're imitating like a somebody's um expression of an archetype at the best. You know, if someone's, you know, if you're imitating like uh I don't know, I'm trying to think of like The Rock, for example. God knows how many people have been influenced by The Rock. How many people have been influenced by that kind of masculinity and just ultimately just like a heroic archetype. So people connect to the way that this guy is portraying the archetype of the warrior hero, and then they start imitating that, but they're not really tuning into the archetype and letting it and personifying it in their own way. They're tuning it into the personification of that archetype that the, that the rock was demonstrating. <laughs> it's his, it's his version of it. It's like, you got to find your own version of that because those archetypes are real. That's real. Those are real things and tuning into those things is great so yeah people just want to they they want the thing that they want their motivation is correct in in imitating it's just the thing that they're imitating isn't real do you think that a lot of people lack self-analysis or awareness and is that or is it just that it's just so crammed in their face these days that they don't have time to sort of think about it mm. or yeah like i think a lot of people i was just talking about this with my girlfriend earlier of like you know people people just rush out and get a job and go to college and make a baby and blah 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 you know like they don't people don't think Oh, like my mother, she just did shit. She never thought about it. Yes. She never took them. And like, I think she's like in her seventies, and she doesn't know who the fuck she is. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, people get very into their roles, and they get very stuck in their identity, and they get so good at playing that part, they don't want to. It's a lot of work to build up a good identity. You put so much energy into whatever you're things are that you do that everyone knows like well that's just the way i am that's you know or oh that's jack that's just the way jack is you know that kind of fond nostalgic uh reference to someone's robotic aspects where you just know someone's always going to have this exact same reaction to some event in their environment and then that becomes kind of you become fond of that and then the person recognizing that there's something endearing about the way that he uh, always rolls his eyes when a black person walks by. <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever, like, you know, the trait is. You know, the shitty trait is that if he, whoever he's around, that group, they start supporting the habituation, and then you get sealed into it. Not just from your own POV, but the people around you seal you into it too. And then that's where, when you start diverting from that track a little bit, your friends will start saying to you, "Are you okay?" You've been acting strangely lately. And if you're a coward, you'll analyze and be like, oh, oh, no, I'll start acting the way that you think I should act because 
I don't want to disrupt our social circle. <laughs> and then you get stuck in a, you get stuck in the same exact trap. And now you're a robot and the people around you are robots and everyone in your family's a robot and and you're all just you're just surrounded by robots. Not literally robots, but you know, you're surrounded by that's what Gurdjieff called them spiritual machines just like automa automa how do you say it? automatons? Yeah. Is that is that right, Kelly? Automatons, yeah, automatons. That's why she's my girlfriend. She can say big words like that. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, it's weird, because I remember doing that, like, when I was very young, like, seeking identity through certain things, like, and I think people do that. People go to, like, start frequenting the same bar because they want to be like, that's my place, and yes. that's who I am, and that's, and I drink, um, I'm the guy who drinks Jaeger. Yes. Like, and it's, and I'm always like... It's weird how people attach themselves as well to destructive behavior as a means of identity. Like, it's really strange to, yes. and embrace it. Like, hey, I'm smoke. Like, I'm a cigarette. You know, it's oh, probably yeah. going to kill me. It's like, yeah, no, it is going to kill you. Yeah. There's no charm within that. <laughs> and you know, someone's going to have to, like, clean out your diapers when you can't control your bowels anymore and the cancer begins to eat you alive. It's like <laughs> dying of cancer is not as aesthetically pleasing is smoking it doesn't look good it's pretty gross so that's the problem and also you're probably not gonna die of cancer but you're gonna pay a lot of money and be really sick for a few years like it's it's everyone just thinks like there's gonna be this james dean thing that happens and they just keel over and it's all over but it's like (laughs) no you melt you melt you get eaten from the inside so and then and then that would be okay if you could take care of yourself during that. But remember, other people are going to have to take care of you as you melt away from the inside and watch you dissolve into a putty of disease and agony. So it's just not really that romantic to be self-destructive with cigarettes. You know, it's like, and and so it's it's a form of selfishness. But yeah, people do get locked into self-destruction as a form of rebellion. You know, it's, it's a form of like, rebellion i was thinking that with cigarettes specifically it's like man what a fucking master because people who are like tend to smoke tend to be or like a lot of like super leftist people i've interviewed or know and they smoke cigarettes i'm like you're contributing to everything you're against you're like big tobacco big industry and what they give their money to i'm like yeah but you think you're being kind of like rebel guy and i'm like you fucking fell prey to everything you stand against welcome yeah exactly (laughs) nicotine is a motherfucker man that's the most addictive substance on the planet and it's like you know people who've come in contact with it deserve compassion uh but but because it's they're they're so addicted like they're so terribly addicted to the substance so it's it's a real terrible trap, but I know what you mean. It's like it is funny how when it comes down to the world changing the world, it's very easy to go to a march. It's very easy to tweet something or to start a blog or to do volunteer work. Generally, it's as easy as getting in your car and driving somewhere and um, helping out, and it's a beautiful thing to do. But the true service work is would be service to yourself. When it comes down to that, when it comes down to like, okay, well, here you have this motivation to help the world, but the thing that's closest to the world that you know is your body, and somehow you cannot help but destroy that. So shouldn't you start there first, since you're as close to the world as you can get? Let's find out if you can at least slow down the destruction you're reaping on your body before you start... Uh, trying to avert the other catastrophes that are happening around us. And it's that, that, that idea, I think, has within it the recipe for if there ever was going to be global peace or some kind of utopia, it would be a wave of human beings who became dedicated to becoming healthy themselves and not trying to change or alter the health of the people around them. If everyone just started doing that individually, then I think you would begin to see this actual transformation in society because it is kind of weird if it's like well you're you want people to stop cutting down trees in the rainforest because it's destroying the environment and killing the planet but those tiny little what's in your lungs cilia cilia those tiny little cilia in your lungs that you're polluting (laughs) every single day is a sacred unique rainforest 
and um and and you're totally okay destroying that and you're totally okay destroying the hard drive inside the bone in your skull because uh you you you're okay destroying that you're okay extinguishing your own reality because you don't view yourself as precious but somehow you view some other thing outside of yourself as precious and that's a that's an easy thing that's an honest mistake to make because it's a fuckload easier to fight against the deforestation of the rainforest or the destruction of the poor rhinos or the dolphins <coughs> or the seals or the NSA than it is to fight against the destruction of yourself, to fight against that bizarre death impulse that Freud talked about, that thing that compels you to endlessly uh, put poison into your body in various ways. And by that, I mean smoking and too much booze. <coughs> but do you think a lot of the two is... Because I think that, uh, like, there's such a... We don't, as a Western, the Westerners, don't have a lot of... We don't really think about death that much. Like, we don't have... It's like in other cultures, like, they're consciously, constantly aware of death. They have death rituals. They have death rites and all these things. And we don't have... Like, we, because I think it's Christian-based, is... It's like, ah, well, you know, it's all fine because you go to heaven. Yeah, and I think that's like sort of that philosophy of like, well, you don't have to worry about death; it's going to be fine. Yeah, it permeates everybody's sort of subconscious, and then it, they're like, oh, well, I won't think about death either. Yeah, man. Yeah, that is a. I just was listening to Jack Cornfield talk about how in Buddhism the contemplation of death is considered to be the circle that surrounds all the other aspects of Buddhism, all the other things to contemplate. If you can come to terms and contemplate, come to terms with your own inevitable extinction, then you'll learn everything that you need to learn from all the more, all the other aspects of mindfulness. So this is the, uh, yeah. So in Buddhism, you know, they used to like sit, I think they still do it actually. They, I just was listening to this. It's a Jack Cornfield's audio book. I think it's called Buddhist psychology or something, something about the mind. I don't know. I could tell you if people ask, but it's really good. It's a great audio book, but he talks about how they sit at the edge of, um, graves and watch bodies decompose. And in Buddhism, they go through all the various forms of decomposition. They have like starts with bloating, then moves to putrefication, then moves to this, then moves to that. And you sort of sit and watch bodies decompose you meditate at the edge of graves, watching bodies decompose. And from that, you begin to learn what you're made of and what you actually are. And from that comes not the tendency to put on black clothes or like wear like upside down crosses. <laughs> <laughs> but weirdly, what that does is it frees you. It fucking frees you. And, and you, you get freed from your fixation on this one life. And on the identity that you've become so committed to and all the roles that you're playing because you realize that it just doesn't last. It doesn't last. This, you know, would I guess it would make more sense to be constantly, to be really fixated on things here in this world if we were here for longer than 60 years. But by now, you're 45? Yeah. I just turned 40. And <clears throat> we both know at this point the thing that we always knew, but tried to ignore which is that time moves by so fast to the point that there is no time there's no time at all blink of an eye and you're 40 if you right now if you're listening to this and you're in your 20s or 15 or 8 or 3 blink your eye you will blink and you will be 40 i promise and you'll be looking at your body and looking at yourself in the mirror older hair thinning feeling like uh, just uh, feeling what you know the what happens when the meat body you're in comes in contact with the environment of this planet which is a gradual disintegration of it and you'll look at yourself and even though you can feel the heaviness of your physical form the paradox will be that you will experience the timelessness and absolute freedom of what you actually are and it's this nexus that creates all the confusion so it's like fuck holy shit, there's no time. I don't feel old at all. My body might feel feel old, but what I really am, it doesn't seem to be affected at all by this dimension that I'm inside of. That's a real fucking trip, man. And that's freedom. That's freedom. And once you start 
understanding that's what you actually are instead of thinking you're this <clears throat> this weird lumbering thing that we are temporarily fixated on as the universe, then you could start experiencing a tiny little bit of relief from the burdensome uh the the burdens of identity and all these symbols that are attached to that identity, like your name, your social security number, your the num the money in your bank account, all the various symbols that we carry around and with us that are ultimately just pointless to fixate on because they're not alive. They're not really connected to life. Yeah. Do you think be that because you had cancer? I don't. I don't know if you want to ever talk about that. I, I don't feel care. I don't know. I just didn't know if you're like, ah, fuck it. Like uh, that's over, and I've moved on with. I my don't life. mind talking about it at all. But do you feel like that changed because? I think people who come close to death or see death relate to the world differently than people who's never... I know people who don't have a lot of tragedy in their life, and they're not... They're a little fucking goofy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I think a, you need to be, like, shaken by the cosmos, like, hey, fucker, this is, like... Yeah. It's not what you think. They're uninitiated. But that's okay because it's like they're having they had they will be initiated. And <laughs> <laughs> you just don't know when. But it's like there's just not time yet. They're like they, they haven't been visited yet by the universe. You get visited by God when you experience tragedy or catastrophe. I, I feel thankful that I had horrible horrible things happen to me at a young age because it kind of made me have a different. I think I I was already a dumb shit and I continued to be a dumb shit. But I think yeah. it helped me be less of a dumb shit for a while. Yeah, like it was like. Because you're like, fuck, you can go at any moment. Yeah, it's a great gift. to The whole world is running away from just, it's like everyone's being chased by bars of gold. They're running for meaningless, empty things. And the thing they're running away from is the true treasure. And the true treasure is the realization of the impermanence of life. And then from that realization, the rebirth that comes when you start, you know, seeing how vibrant and incredible this thing is that we're in instead of it being just a if you think things aren't going to change man that is such a bummer <laughs> you know what i mean like what's the classic bad trip the classic bad trip i'm gonna stay high forever oh fuck i'm gonna be like this forever i'm gonna be like this forever like if you're having a bad trip on mushrooms or acid you get in your head that this is gonna go on for longer than eight hours or six hours it's pretty fucking nuts. You start thinking, I've gone crazy. I've gone crazy and this will last forever. And if you start thinking like that, you will like have a, a difficult experience. But if you um, recognize that, no, don't worry, this won't last. This isn't going to definitely change. Your mind state is going to change. It's just going to change. Then suddenly the trip will like become this vibrant and beautiful thing again. That's a kind of death. Um, it's like Timothy Leary says, lift up your legs and float downstream. That's the idea. Let go of this resistance to change. And then suddenly, even if you're having the shittiest day ever, you can always go back to the knowledge that that mind's, that mood's going to change. You're, you're not going to feel like that forever. If your heart's broken, if you're pining over a girl or a guy, if you're scared of your job, if you're terrified of anything, whatever's bothering you, look back through your life and you'll see that however you feel always changes. It tends to change. You never stay the same way. And it's that that there's that's reality. It's not a myth. That's that's actually the way things are. That's it. I'm going to challenge that. I'm going to leave here and get angry and I'm going to stay that way at all moments. <laughs> A perpetual state of anger. I'll call it the anti-Buddha. <laughs> you know what? I bet you can pull it off, man. Like, if you really, really try hard, you could you could stay angry for... I mean, you could at least stay, like, dully angry or, you know... It's fun, though, to realize when the anger is going away and then you try to get it back because you feel like you've lost some power or something, like you want to hold on to it. It's interesting that people associate anger with power. Like did you say? Because yeah. I think people do. Like I've heard people bosses be like, "Hey, you got to yell once in a while." Because you know, I was like, "You don't actually. You don't have to be a dick for people to respond." Right. You sure as fuck don't. And anger's drink. Like uh, I was pissed off about something earlier today, and it's just like it's 
It's fucking draining. It doesn't feel good. It's gross. It does not feel good. It's a it's a it's a form of seizure. And if you if you watch your like I just yelled at my dog yesterday because I was recording the podcast and I was finally getting the the intro right and and, and it's so the <laughs> the intro was literally about diving into the ocean of love. Something like that. I was trying to say something like that. <laughs> 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 the dog starts barking right as I'm finally articulating this thing I've been wanting to say. And I've been working on it for a couple hours. There's no excuse for, for freaking out like this. And I felt the anger come. And I've been practicing mindfulness. So, like, I, I watched it. I was like, oh, I'm going to get mad. Oh, I'm mad. And I'm going to react. And then I'm like, shut the fuck up. I'm trying to fucking record your fucking. I'm yelling. I'm First of all, the dog doesn't speak English. I'm yelling at the dog exactly why I'm mad at poor Fox. And then I took Fox and put him in his bed. And he's, you know, the giant bald monkey has, like, just screamed at him for, de <laughs> for defending, just defending the, the cave. He, th he thought there was a danger. He was alerting me to the danger. And instead of, like, being rewarded, he gets, like, thrown into his bed. And I, like, I just seem, I must seem crazy to him. <laughs> And then I sit back down and I have to like calm back down and then go back into recording this thing. And it is, you know, it's for, you have to forgive yourself for those moments because they happen. They don't go away. But if you add to them the element of mindfulness, at least you can watch the, the, the whole rising, the reaction, and then the, the, the dissipation. And there's something beautiful in seeing that because, again, you're reminded it won't last and then if someone's mad at you and freaking out at you and screaming at you, you can refer back to the time that you were the most angry and watched every piece of it because you know what they're going through. You know that they're in a seizure. You know that they're in the midst of a convulsive episode. You know they've decided to bite on the bait and they're like letting themselves react. It's just, it's, it's, and, and, and I've heard it compared to sex too. It's like you get turned on, you have sex. And then there's this refractory period. It's the same way with anger. It's just the turn on isn't like horniness or sexual arousal. It's some kind of other turn, but it is the same kind of build, build, build orgasm. When you say the meanest thing you can think of. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. Cause the consciousness you've talked about when you're in rage, like I've had that where it's like, all right, I'm fucking out. Oh, there's that ashtray. I'm okay. Pick it up. And th you probably throw that. And then you act like you, you're like kind of a second, Mill a gazillion second ahead of yourself. Yes. And you're seeing it, but it's like, if you're that aware, then maybe you shouldn't pick up the thing and throw it. <laughs> you're going to do it, though. You're going to react. It's like, it's weird. Like, yeah. And the more you practice, the more aware you become of that millisecond that you're talking about there. The more aware you become of that tiny little space between the feeling and the reaction. You become aware of that thing. And you look at that thing and there's a gap there. You'll notice there's a gap there. And that gap, that's where the magic happens, right fucking there. And that's why Chogyam Trumpa and Pima Chodron and Jack Kornfield and all the great Buddhist teachers, they advise breathing there. At that gap, take a deep breath. If you want to react after the breath, go ahead, throw the fucking ashtray. <laughs> I don't even own an ashtray. I don't know why. I have to go out, buy an ashtray, come back, keep that anger at that level. That's a great rule. The next time you get angry before you react, make yourself go buy an ashtray. <laughs> <laughs> if you still want to react after you come home with the ashtray, fine. You should write a book called Go Buy the Ashtray. Go Buy an Ashtray. <laughs> Exercises in anger. Yeah. It's a, it's a great practice. Anything. You know, anything. Anything to keep you from that <coughs> reaction is good. Because, you know, it's always like, even the times I've been really justified in being angry and I've really let someone have it and they've deserved it. In the end, when you look back, it sucks. It sucks a little, you know, it's still like, well, just like, you know, I was listening to my neighbors. I don't know what they were fighting about. They're in their backyard. They're gardening and someone's they're yelling at each other. One's mad at the other. You let me fall. 
<laughs> what happened? It's like, you just let me fall. You let me fall. You're like, God damn it. Why'd you let me fall? And it's like, you listen to the a, my, the way I'm making their voices. My neighbor, my neighbors are Muppets, but <laughs> you let me fall, glum glum. Uh, Why? But they, they, um, it's an ugly sound. It's not aesthetically pleasing. It's, it's, it's so much more interesting if you can diffuse negativity through something more unique than anger you know it's so much more interesting if you could do that it's hard though yeah sometimes i was like uh fuck i can't think of the guy to anyway it doesn't matter but just the 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 fear base of all anger what was that book that we read the fear book and it doesn't matter some fucking person with a shaved head and a robe Mm, must be holy (laughs) (laughs) but it's like yeah it's usually you're just like reacting on such a primitive terror like oh like yeah it's fear you're just pissed you're you're just you know it's it's like throwing up it's it's all in the same family of 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 energetic release you know it's like vomiting you're getting out just a more dense layer of matter than you are when you're angry but it's still you're letting energy out into the universe and when you're vomiting there's a reason for it you know there is something in you that needs to get out you know and you definitely no matter how holy you are if you've eaten bad tacos you're gonna throw up bad tacos there's no way to like as it they come out of your throat to transform that into like gold or stardust or something (laughs) it's got to get out of you you know so maybe sometimes you do need to like blast somebody maybe sometimes you do need to like get it out of you and 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 maybe that's why it's important to make sure the people you're around are people who are also mindful or people who are also open so that when you get pissed off they're like uh they forgive you because they know that happens that happens to humans humans get mad sometimes I hate it when somebody, when you get angry or you yell at someone and then they just never forgive you. It's like, are you kidding? I fucked up. Why won't you forgive me? Just let me, let me be forgiven, please. And if I'm, if there's someone who I'm not forgiving, then it's so, such a cruel thing to do to them, you know, especially if you're not even feeling it anymore. If you're just being stubborn, I'm not going to be taken advantage of by that person again. That's what people think. And that's fine. You don't have to like take them to the mall or take them on a picnic or something, but it's cool. I mean, I think amnesty is such an awesome thing. Yeah. I, it's funny because when you were saying that, when people who don't forgive and they hold a grudge, that's just sort of going, in my opinion, going back to that thing, it's like that's their, their that's an identity thing. Or that's something they're struggling with. Like, oh, I don't know. It's going to take advantage. It's not about that moment. It's about something else in their past. They're like, no, some, my dad took advantage of me. So this guy's not going to do it either. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I used to be like really politically angry, I was just angry at my dad. It was all it was. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's was, cool to know that. <laughs> it was like, I had, it had nothing to do with just like, oh, you, the, my, I, the injustice that happened to me as a kid, well, that's not going to happen in the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, a lot of stuff like that we're angry at is definitely just projections of some interiorized pain that we're not, that we haven't assimilated yet or haven't really haven't really dealt with usually i mean this is not to say that there aren't true turds in the world (laughs) like there are there are i I don't i i don't i don't think that it's right to pretend that everybody's behaving okay like the guy who's like sprayed lighter fluid into the elevator on that woman and set her on fire i don't when know did, you, did that happen recently no that happened a few years ago but it's something like that's stuck in my head just because of the brutality of it you know that's not a that's not a a, a person that's not a obviously that's not a good person that's not a person that it doesn't matter if you forgive a person like that you know there's a person that like needs to be restrained or, or like kept away from the world or something like I'm just what I mean is I recognize there's a spectrum of turd people out there <laughs> and the, the <laughs> on the far end of that spectrum those people you know we have to like there is a there is a reason that there's prisons and there is a reason that there's laws and there is a reason that there's uh, p- 
the the uh, the necessity to protect yourself. But then once that that starts getting gray, you know, and now you're just dealing with scared people, children basically who are in an adult body, like right or somewhere in there, that's where you got to start doing the work, you know, and, and the work is on yourself. The work is work on yourself so that it's kind of like the more you work on the self, the more capable you become of loving deeper and deeper into that spectrum of turd people until finally you can actually love everybody. Supposedly you can actually love everyone you come in contact with i've heard that don't know if it's true but i've heard that you can actually be in a constant state of love for everything and that would be heaven well then you'd be in heaven while you were alive and that seems like a noble goal why is me why is it because i I don't know if this is related but why because you said earlier like i i meditate but not as much as i should why is it hard to do why is it because every time i'm like doing meditating all the time i've feel way fucking better and I'm not doing it as much as I used to and I feel real cluttered and shitty. Yes. Why is it so difficult? Man, I it's just a matter of the same reason that it's difficult to get Fox to sit still <laughs> when I go eat with him at a cafe. I cannot get him to sit down. I, I mean, I can get him to sit for a second, but He's going to bark if a dog walks by and he's going to like rustle around looking for food. It's like a constant practice to get Fox to sit still. So there's a part of my mind that when I think about jogging, it will come up with an instantaneous list of reasons not to go jogging. Probably like 50 reasons not to go jogging, varying, you know, from the the bottom of the reasons which is just like fuck that let's just take a nap i don't want to go jogging it's hot outside to like yeah but we do need to send some emails right now and if you just send those emails you'll go you can go jogging later on it's the mind so you start letting the mind control you and the mind when it comes to meditation will do the exact same thing where it will convince give you all kinds of reasons not to do it what well, my reason today was Oh, it was really good. And I totally fell for it too. <laughs> my reason today was I couldn't find my meditation cushion. Like I can't sit on the floor or I couldn't get a chair. I couldn't, I didn't think like, oh, I'll just sit on the floor this time. Then it's only 10 minutes. I'll just sit on the floor or, oh, I'll get a chair. Lots of people sit at a chair. I was like, oh, no cushion. Yeah. Better just walk the dog. Victory for the mind. You know, it won. It won that battle. And it'll keep winning battles until you just ignore it. So that when it, no matter what reason it gives, you just, yeah, I know, but I'm going to sit down for 10 minutes. And then, then you start doing that and then it becomes a habit. And then, you know, you'll go back into that awesome thing where you're regularly meditating, where you're, where you have a disciplined, regular practice. But a lot of people say falling out of the practice is also good because as long as you're maintaining mindfulness during both sides of it, you can watch, just like what you said, cluttered mind. You can watch the way that you are when you're not meditating and the way you are when you are meditating. And from that, you can begin to watch this pendulum swing in your life between uh, move, between moving in the direction of awakening or unfolding consciousness and shutting down or the uh, dilation um, and uh, contraction of the self you can kind of watch this interesting expansion of yourself as you open yourself up to the world and then it always shuts back down again for some reason and then you start opening again and then it shuts again open and shut just like the breath it's interesting it's almost like it's a it's a natural pattern to not meditate sometimes it's almost like it's natural to get cluttered sometimes and and it's all part of the process that's what they say. Just recognize it's all part of the pro- all part of the process. Instead of thinking, "Oh, now I'm doing it. Oh, now I'm being spiritual because I'm meditating." Just be mindful and watch. That's not to say don't don't um, don't use that as an excuse. But if you're not meditating, you're not meditating. Okay. Let's see what happens with not meditating. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like. Uh... Yeah, we gotta wrap it up. It's, I do, I feel like I could do this for forever, though. 
Oh, man, me too. It's so fun chatting with you, man. You I look love great, you. by the way. Oh, thank you, friend. Thank you. Because the last time we did this, you kept saying how fat you were. You don't look fat. I've been jogging. I've been eating a little less. Still fat. I appreciate you saying that. I have reduced my fat, and I'm hoping to reduce it even more. Fortunately, Cora, this incredible person that I've been spending time with is one of the healthiest people I've ever met in my life. So when you're around a healthy person, it's suddenly you start getting healthier. Um, just because when you watch that, you know, someone who isn't constantly jamming every food item they can find into their <laughs> mouth at every second, <laughs> it teaches you, you don't have to do that either. I was cramming bourbon in my mouth. Cause I got like, <coughs> I never drank a lot of bourbon and then like somebody turned me on to some good bourbon. I was like, Ooh. So I started trying like, mm. I was like, I'll try all the bourbons mm. that exist. <laughs> Why not? And I was buying like a bottle a week or more. But then it's like, then one day you wake up and you're like, oh, you're a fat fucking drunk. Yeah. Uh, like I had tits. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's all part of the path, brother. <laughs> Sometimes bourbon is our meditation altar. That's what the Dalai Lama, I read some quote where he said that sleep is one of the best forms of meditation. I was like, I'm taking that and fucking running with it. Poor man's enlightenment. <laughs> <laughs> but usually I have weird bad dreams, so I don't know if it's a... I had like a dream last night where I saw like two different planes crash and I was on a third that was about to crash. Oh, fuck. That. Like I was like trapped in like the Philippines and I couldn't get back. And like I kept getting stuffed in like these weird like you all got to go sleep together in this like room until we can figure out how to get you back. And it was just like watching planes spiral in the air and crash. Like it was just like uh, maddening. I was like, why are so many planes crashing? Uh, and then it's a dream. You know, man, I had an awful dream last night because I ate marijuana before I went to bed and fell asleep watching Revenge of the Nerds 2. And that will fuck you up. That was like, it was, there were demons. I just remember there were demons. <laughs> and I was saying to the demon in my dream, I was saying to the demon, I, I remember, and I'm, I'm always, you just made me remember this terrible dream. I was saying to the demon, I banish you back into the nothingness. Like doing weird exorcist <laughs> shit to it in the dream. And then I said, then I said to it in the dream, I said, you are nameless and you will never be named. I banish you back into the nothingness. You're really articulate in your dreams. Wow, I know. I know. It's cool. But you know what that is, man? That's like, I'm afraid that that thing that I'm saying is nameless and will never be named and has to be banished in the nothingness is me remembering getting fingered by my uncle or something. <laughs> Isn't that what it sounds like? Yeah, like what's what was about to come climbing out of my subconscious that I want to beat back into the nothingness like Gandalf? <laughs> Am I Gandalf? Is that what that is? Yeah. What's happening? We just... <laughs> Shit, man. Well, I'm glad we resolved that. Oh, great. Finally. Uh, and uh, if people don't know, Duncan, the Duncan Trussell Family Hour. Yeah. Thank you. Thank when you. When does this come out? Tomorrow. Ooh. Uh, May 24th, I'm doing a live podcast at the Improv, if anybody wants to go. Oh, great. It's at my website, DuncanTrussell.com. Check it out. Thank you, Duncan. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. If you like the show, please do me a favor um, and donate to the show. We, uh, we have to pay for... The people who host us, we have to. We may have to be paying for every single show that's up on Feral Audio. So, uh, a, a dollar here and there from you fine people would really help not only my show out, but all the shows on Feral Audio. And uh, it's really crucial right now, so we can keep bringing you these great shows. Uh, also, uh, if you can't donate money. Uh, go go to my uh, page there on feralaudio.com and uh, go through the Amazon link. Go buy some bullshit. Go buy yourself a toupee or a Merkin, and then I get a kickback of that money, and uh, it helps us out here at Feral Audio. That would be gratefully, great, great, greatly, and I'd be gratefully grateful, great, and great, and grating. Uh, so thank you very much for that, uh, please. And also follow me on Twitter and go to my website, thematdwire.com. Thank you very much for uh, joining us. I love you all. I'm just a memory. Here you have a life condemned.